Hi, I'm Michael C. Patterson, your host for the Mind Ramp Podcasts. I'm excited that you're listening because this podcast is going to explore the idea of mindsets and how they can influence our health, mood, and overall well-being. This podcast is part of a series exploring MindRamp's MAPS method, which is a roadmap for turning good intentions to improve your health and well-being into actual plans that you carry out. We covered the M in MAPS, that's motivation, then assessments, A, then P, planning, and we are now into the S area, which deals with skills that help you sustain your effort long enough to experience success. So let's talk about mindsets. What are mindsets? Mindsets are worldviews, frames of mind that help us make sense of both ourself and of the world at large. They're organizing principles that we use to find structure and meaning amid the chaos of life. Our mindsets can determine what we pay attention to and also what we ignore, what we acknowledge and what we dismiss. They are sort of core beliefs that transcend preferences, learned facts, intellectual opinions, and often even objective reality. In a sense, they're reality filters. Mindsets act like prisms through which we filter the buzzing confusion of existence. They often bias how we think and feel. A strong mindset can at times cause us to think and feel things that conflict with objective reality. We might have a mindset, for example, that we are fat or stupid when we're not. Mindsets are powerful. Once a mindset is activated by a memory or a situation or an interaction with another person, the mindset sets off a whole cascade of related thoughts and emotions that color and shape the rest of the interactions. Mindsets can influence long-term outcomes, including your health, your happiness, and our quality of life. Once formed, mindsets function largely outside of our conscious awareness. They can cause us to feel and express biases and stereotypes without our even thinking about it, totally unconsciously. Now, we've noticed that mindsets generally function as dyads, meaning that they operate as a pair of opposites. One mindset in a dyad generally has a positive influence, while its opposite exerts a largely negative influence. So when a mindset causes negative thoughts or feelings or actions, you can learn to flip from a negative dyad to the positive one. And awareness is the first step. You need to consciously recognize when your mindset is causing problems and has become an obstacle to your quest for longevity. And you can then practice flipping from the negative to the positive dyad in offline situations. This offline training will make real-life mindset resets easier to pull off. So the more you consciously practice engaging mindsets or flipping them when necessary, the more habitual they become. I want to tell you about a couple of studies that illustrate the power of mindsets. Psychologist Ellen Langer of Harvard University is well known for experiments that demonstrate the power of mindsets and the potential dangers of mindlessness. And one of her most famous studies is known as the counterclockwise study. 
1981, Langer and her colleagues took two groups of men in their 70s and 80s to a sprawling monastery in New Hampshire that had been retrofitted to look as though the hands of time had been reversed. The place was filled with mementos from the 1950s, including issues of Life magazine and the Saturday Evening Post, a small black-and-white television and vintage radio. Everything in the retreat center was made to look as it did 22 years earlier, in 1959. Langer had a test group and a control group who spent a week in this altered physical environment. Now, one group of older men was asked to stay in the present, but to use the retreat area as a source of reminiscence and nostalgia. In other words, think back to how things were 22 years ago. The second group, however, was challenged to pretend that they were 22 years younger and were to experience the events of 1959 as though for the first time. For a full week, they discussed the launch of the first U.S. satellite, the need for bomb shelters, Castro's victory in Cuba, the exploits of sports greats like Mickey Mantle and Floyd Patterson. Well, Langer and her colleagues gave both groups of men a battery of cognitive and physical tests, both before and after the week of the retreat. Both groups showed surprising improvement in a range of health metrics. They were stronger and more flexible. They had improvements in weight, gait, posture, hearing, vision, and they even got taller. Their performance on intelligence tests improved. What's more, these improvements were significantly higher in the men who acted as though they were back in 1959. Somehow, imagining themselves as younger men made their bodies and minds revert to their physical and mental conditions when they were 22 years younger. The group of men who made believe they were 22 years younger started to adopt a mindset of being younger being healthier and being more vital, they shed their what's called premature cognitive commitments to the idea that they were old and tired and feeble. They adopted a cognitive commitment to the idea that they were capable, capable of behaving however they wanted to behave. Ellen Langer says, wherever you put the mind, the body will follow. It's not our physical state that limits us, she says, but our mindset about our own limits. Another fascinating study conducted by Langer is called the Chambermaid Study. In this study, Langer and her associates took health measurements from a group of 84 chambermaids who worked at seven carefully matched hotels. In general, the chambermaids displayed health profiles that were similar to most sedentary people who have failed to get enough exercise. Langer then quizzed the chambermaids about how much exercise they actually got during the day. And a third of the chambermaids said they got no exercise at all, while the rest admitted they exercised only occasionally. So here's where the story gets interesting. Langer divided the chambermaids into two groups and explained to one group that their daily cleaning routines in the hotel provided them with a good physical workout. Their cleaning work, in other words, provided them with enough physical exercise to meet the recommended 30 minutes of exercise each day. 
She went so far as to spell out how many calories were burned when scrubbing bathtubs and vacuuming floors. The second control group did not receive this information. They were told nothing about the exercise benefits of their normal work routines. Langer then checked back with the two groups a month later and found, remarkably, that the maids who were told that their work provided them with health-producing exercise got healthier. They lost an average of two pounds and dropped their systolic blood pressure an average of 10 points. They were, quote, significantly healthier, end quote, uh, than they were at the beginning of the research project. Now, nothing had changed for these chambermaids except their mindset about their work. By calling attention to the exercise benefits of their daily routines, Langer stimulated a mindful approach to the work that somehow caused the work routines to provide the same benefits as exercise. When doing their work, the chambermaids now mindfully recognized that they were getting a good workout and should be healthier because of it. Mindfulness turned work into a healthy workout. As we mentioned earlier, mindsets seem to operate as dyads, as a kind of unity of opposites. So, for example, the chambermaids either had a mindful attitude about the health benefits of their work, or they had a mindless attitude. When they were mindful about what they were doing, they felt better and experienced improvements in their health. But when they were mindless about what they were doing, they experienced no such benefits. So in our workshops and coaching practice, we focus on a number of different mindsets that have this dyadic relationship, this either-or relationship. One such mindset, obviously inspired by Ellen Langer's work, is a mindful versus mindless mindset. When you're doing something, are you paying attention to what's really happening, or are you just going through the motions on autopilot? I should mention that Langer was talking about mindfulness long before it became a well-known term and, and before it became associated with meditation. Langer stresses that she's talking about mindfulness without meditation. There are a lot of similarities, but Langer's approach has its own characteristics and doesn't require learning how to meditate. For Langer, mindful thinking is active, directed, and conscious thinking that is grounded in the present moment. It's also free from preconceived notions, and it's open to the possibilities of the moment. So according to Langer, there are three characteristics, three key characteristics of mindfulness. One, an awareness of multiple perspectives. Like, so this is an awareness that your perspective is not the only possible perspective. Everybody else has their own perspective, and it's likely to be different from yours. Two, is an open-minded approach to new information. So in other words, if you're being mindful and you get new information that contradicts your long-held belief, there's a willingness to accept that new information and change your belief. And three, the continuous creation of new categories. I like this. This is the idea of the mind is always putting things into categories and, and sort of lumping them all together so you can make sense out of things getting the gist of a situation. But that just kind of homogenizes what you're doing. 
Langer is suggesting that you create very specific categories for each new thing. Like this is not just a leaf that I'm looking at. This is a green leaf on a fig tree, for example, as opposed to a brownish leaf on an oak tree. So you create different categories. It means that you're really looking much more carefully and experiencing what you're experiencing with much greater detail. I used one of Langer's terms earlier, and I should explain what it means. It's premature cognitive commitments. What she says is that with automatic, mindless thinking, um, it's often influenced and distorted by bias and stereotypes that have been constructed in the past. And it may also be influenced by anxieties and insecurities that interfere with your ability to clearly see what is happening in the present. So when this happens, as Langer puts it, you interpret what is happening with a premature cognitive commitment. You're already committed to understanding it in a specific way rather than experiencing it the way it really is. Your perception is distracted by automatic biases about what you should be seeing, what should be happening, and that blinds you to what really is happening. Now, an important part of what we call mind management involves recognizing when your mind is being influenced by a negative aspect of a mindset and then performing what we call a mindset reset. That means simply flipping from one side of a dyad to the other side. I say simple, but of course, it's often easier said than done. I mean, the concept is simple. If you recognize that you are being mindless, stop and start being mindful. It really can be a simple act of mental gymnastics. If you realize that you're zoning out, running on autopilot, or falling into ruminations about the past, or becoming anxious about something in the future, you have the power to simply stop your mind doing that and bring your attention to what is going on right now. Pay attention to what is right in front of you. Start being mindful. Mindfulness practice and meditation both exercise your mental awareness and increase your ability to perform these mindset resets. Through the practice of meditation, for example, you learn to pay attention to what your mind is doing. You pay attention to whatever it is you're thinking or feeling. And you learn to do this without judgment. It's neither bad nor good. You just observe that your mind is zoning out or is worrying about something or is telling you that uh, you're an awful person for eating that gallon of ice cream. That's okay. But the important part of the process is recognizing that your thoughts and feelings are just that. They're just your thoughts and feelings. Your mind generated them. And your mind is just as capable of generating a different thought and a different feeling. So if you're being mindless, you can say, oh, that's interesting. I was being mindless about this task. Let's see what happens if I really pay attention and am mindful. I wonder how that will feel. So then you perform a mindset reset. Or you might realize that you're going into a situation with a, a premature cognitive commitment to being bored and negative. 
Well, then you have a choice. You can continue on with your negativity and you probably will be bored. Or you can perform a mindset reset and decide to be more open-minded. I mean, who knows? There might actually be fun. In the next podcast, we will look at a number of important mindsets that have this dyadic relationship, and we'll discuss how you can perform mindset resets that can put your mind in a much happier and healthier place. Thanks so much for listening. May you live long and live well.